Hey, this is your name, your name, your name. And uh, they say it ain't easy. He's real. Gang Green and their man. Jets got themselves a great Robert Sala. Robert Sala. Talk about all gas, no break. The great one. We're not talking about an effort on the field. Ooh. We're talking about the process at which we do things. Oh, I'm not going to lie to you. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Keep your foot on the pedal. Base, 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 base. There's no way I'm not going to have enthusiasm on the sideline. Hey, own this rut. Own this rut. The New York Jets. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. And welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I'm joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everyone. Hey, Jet fans. What's up? You know, Jet fans are excited. Mike, you're looking fresh to death in the blue Met jersey. That is looking dope. I love that. That's one of my favorite jerseys of all time. Let's bring in the rest of the cast here. We have the greatest tight end in the history of Division I football. Multiple statues of him throughout the Maris Red Fox campus. You know him. You love him. The big Wookiee, Nicholas Cron. Welcome to the What's show. What's going on, everybody? And, of course, the greatest high school football coach in the nation today, my cousin Sammy, Sammy O'Hare. Welcome to the show. What's going on, everyone? All right, guys. We know we're coming in off a hot draft for the New York Jets. Okay, guys? Go look it up. Go take a gander. Type in NFL draft grades. I don't know if that means anything to anybody, but I do know that the Jets went ahead and smashed this draft. Probably the greatest draft in my entire life. Maybe going back to the year 2000, I think. High level when it comes to the Jets. I know I'm going to go through each pick individually. We know we needed a corner. We know we needed an edge. We know we needed a receiver. We know we needed a running back. Did we think in our wildest dreams we'd be able to potentially get the best wide receiver, the best corner, the best running back, maybe who knows when the smoke clears, the best defensive end, in your complete best case scenario, even when we talked in Mock Madness Part 2, your hypothetical best case scenario, could you envision a scenario where they'd have these four players on the team? No, I I didn't know or see what Joe Douglas really was looking to do with his plan, and now it all freaking makes sense. Um, I know he was looking to try to go get an elite player like a Debo Samuel, like a a, a Tyreek Hill. But in the end, he wasn't going to um, pay up a ransom to go get this talent because he had a different plan. He said, if I have to sacrifice some second round picks, so be it. Um, but if I don't, I'm not reaching. And he didn't. And then he went and grabbed the best players at each position, arguably across those four. You know, you can say, Jermaine, you can say uh, um, that Sauce was the best and Brees was the best. But you know what? He was aggressive. He got the guys he wanted. He leveraged the fifth round and the sixth round picks as capital to move up and grab the guys that he wanted. This was not about volume. It was about talent. And when you really step back and look at what Joe Douglas has done, he spent picks on volume in the last two or three drafts or the last one or two drafts to get players who were not particularly the best but they were playing starting roles and little did we know they were there to gain um, a professional 
uh, experience, and they're going to be our secondary, right? The backups, the backups the we're playing, the halls, yeah, 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 sure. the the Carters, the yep. you know what I'm saying? And it's wild because now he went and go grab the starters. They're younger, but if one of them go down, guess what? We got cats that already played a full freaking season. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Have sure. that depth. I mean, he went and got depth. He went and got elite talent. We're not. We're going to get into the whole Brees Hall thing because, I mean, that was just a home run for the AEBG and being able to see right directly into JD's mind and what's best for this team. But the New York Jets, this is a trend. This is number one for me, the best draft I've ever been alive for. And not even, it's not even close. Like, this is the best draft I've ever been alive for. And this is potentially, guys, a franchise-altering draft overall just an incredible job i'm extremely excited and i can't say more i i, I can say this definitively for me we have a general manager Absolutely. I mean, you look like you said, Mike, when it comes to what he did with players that were able to build value that now are going to be your second string guys like a Hall, like a Pinnock, other players up and down the roster here. Also, the currency he built up with all these picks we had is how we were able to move up and get the guys that we got. I want to put something in perspective for you guys how good this draft was. Um, ESPN player rankings is based off scouts.com. You know, who takes an aggregate of all the rankings of the players. Um, Ahmad Sauce Gardner was ranked in 93. Garrett Wilson was ranked in 93. And Jermaine Johnson was ranked in 92. That's from 1 to a 99. They were the 5th, the 6th, and the 14th best player in the draft. No team has ever drafted three players in the same draft that were above a 92, according to scouts.com. Okay, guys. And Brees Hall is right behind him. He's an 88 overall there. He's the 30th best player in the draft. Ruckert's coming in not that far behind him either. So, I mean, you talk about value. And what they added to the team, we're going to go through what each individual guy is going to bring to the squad. But just, man, you look at the picks they built up and how they were able to use them. And I was thinking this, Mike, in the Debo Samuel trade, say that happened, hypothetical world. They would have had to give up the 10th. They would have had to potentially give up the 35th or maybe the 68th, that pick they had uh, toward the, the end of the second round there. Um, and maybe they wouldn't have been able, they definitely would not have been able to get the group of players they got here. If they made that Debo trade, if, if they gave Debo, even if they gave them, say, the 35th and the 38th, whatever other hypotheticals anyone wants to come up with, the group, the amount of picks we would have had to give the 49ers, the Jets aren't ending up with Wilson and Brees Hall and Jermaine Johnson after Sauce. Do you know what I mean? So you look at how, how many spots we filled. It is pretty impressive what JD was able to do here. And it doesn't make a difference when anyone else thinks besides Jet fans. And it just matters what happens on the field, guys. But when you do go ahead and look around the league at the draft grades, I mean, I've never seen the Jets at the top like this. Sammy, can you remember a time where the smoke cleared from a draft and this many people, pundits, talking heads, newspapers, national spots, have been this positive about a New York Jets draft? Uh, no. I think the last time anything ever happened remotely good in the draft is the year we got to Brick. Because we got to Brick and Mangle. Like, that was a really good draft. And that was a blip on the radar, comparatively speaking. Um, just to kind of further what you guys were talking about, there's no such thing as too much talent. And I think what the Jets did is they said, you know what? We like this one guy at this position, but why not just have two guys at that position? So they sure. did it with halfback. They have three tight ends now, not just the two they signed. They've got two running backs. They drafted Jermaine Johnson and this defensive end out of Texas A&M, which we'll talk about later. 
who's going to be another beast. You've got you've doubled up on all these positions where you've got a bunch of young guys. And me and Mike were doing a little talking before the show, and I just think when you get a bunch of guys under the age of 25 who are all on the same team together, who all think they're better than everybody else in the in the NFL, that's a recipe for success. I love what they did this year. Probably right, Sammy. Brickishaw and Mangle, that was a great draft. And the year 2000, which I, re- which I referenced earlier, had Sean Ellis, Abraham, Chadwick Pennington, Lavernius Coles, Anthony Beck, all in one draft. That is a home run draft for people for me and Mike's age. Sammy, that's a draft that hits close to our hearts. Very close to our hearts, Mike. Uh, but this draft is just absolutely, absolutely phenomenal, man. I was so proud of the Jets, what they were able to do here. The Brees Hall pick... I mean, I guess we can just get into it now. We can wait till we get to Brees Hall. You know, we'll wait till we get to him before me and Mike to gloat a little bit. I want to mention one other thing, guys. Another another note we have to get to. Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold. Now, we traded them both the way, as we know, one one after the other. Um, the Jamal Adams, the smoke's cleared from that trade and from the Sam trade now. Okay, the Jamal Adams trade got us AVT last year for the offensive line. It got us Garrett Wilson this year. We were able to use the pick to move up to get Garrett Wilson. I mean, we have the 10th pick because of the Seahawks, and that's why he's on the squad. Uh, the Sam Darnold trade got us a sixth, a second round pick, and a fourth with a couple trades. We ended up with Pinnock last year, Marshall last year for the defensive line, Mitchell, who he's grabbed uh, towards the bottom of the draft this year, a tackle, and Brees Hall. That's six players on the team from the trades we made for uh, for you know Darnold and, and Adams. I just wanted to put that out there so everybody knows. Like when it comes to the squad overall depth of the squad i think that bart scott said and maybe this does this sound ridiculous you guys because we're going to talk about the patriots too in a second um i got a lot of little nuggets for all jet fans to throw on patriot fans faces mike bart scott said the jets roster right now is twice as good as the patriots is it blasphemous or do you agree what jd he, he's transformed what the <laughs> jets had i mean just look look at it running back that to me, our running back core is top five in the league right now. I mean, you could be like, well, what the hell is he saying? Well, Brees Hall, if Brees Hall is as good as we think he is, and we think he's like Jonathan Taylor level, I mean, at least that's what the raw athletic score says. That's what his speed score says. That's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But if he is at that level, let's just say he's Javante Williams, the Jonathan Taylor with Michael Carter, the Jets have a top five running back attack. Okay. So we'll see. Offensive line, above average. Wide receiving core, I would say is above average and young at this point. Tight end group, solid. You look at the New England Patriots, I mean, where are they better? At quarterback? If you want to say McCorkle is better than Zach at this point, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to, I'm not going to fold you. Are they better at secondary? No. Are they better? Are they better in the linebacking core? I mean, maybe could be comparable there. Um, but I would look up and down at this roster and say the Jets are more talented. I mean, it's not being a Jet fan. It's not being somebody who's biased. I think the Patriots laid an egg during the draft. I think that they overspent uh, in free agency last year on a couple of jabroni tight ends. I mean, one of them was was decent, I would say. But I don't really see them, um, you know, doing it, making any major noise this season, in my opinion. Yeah, Mike, I'm so happy you said that, and you gave me a perfect segue there. Just to talk about something that's been bothering me when it comes to the Patriots, because we know that the myth of Bill Belichick and how good he is as a coach and everything without Tom Brady, he's 70 and 79 as a head coach without Tom Brady, not the best record in the world. Rex Ryan actually has a better winning percentage than Bill Belichick does without Tom Brady. But before we get into that for a second, when it comes to drafts, 
this is something that bothers me. And I want to I want to think here if you guys agree with me. If, for instance, the New York Jets were up on the clock, guys, right? Or the Texans or the Jaguars or any of the teams in the league that tend to not do well at the draft or have a hard time getting wins or have a whole stretch of 10 years like they're not that great like the Jets. If one of those teams hadn't drafted a pro bowler in 10 drafts, don't you think that's what they talk about for five minutes before they make the pick? Wouldn't they bring that up? Wouldn't, they, wouldn't somebody mention that before they make a pick? And when it comes, I mean, Mac Jones was an alternate last year, and then I know he played in the Pro Bowl. He's not a Pro Bowl player. He was an alternate. I guess I know te for technicality he's on there. But when it comes to the Patriots, I'm watching, and you see Greeny, and you see writers, and you see people talk about these horrible picks the Patriots made. Cole Strange was the 86th ranked player on most boards. He got picked 24th or something like that, on 20, 29th by the Patriots. I think Thornton was almost ranked 200th. They picked him 50th overall. These are horrible picks they made. Horrible picks. And when people talk about it, Mike, they go, well, you got to get the benefit of the doubt to them. It's the Patriots. Well, I'm like, wait, what benefit of the doubt are you getting? You haven't had a good draft in a decade. Is, am, I, am I crazy, Mike? Does it not seem like if that was the Jets or one of the lower teams in the league that doesn't have as good of a reputation of winning, that would be a main narrative when they went to draft the futility over a decade of drafting no one good. But with the Patriots, they make garbage picks. And people say, oh, give them the benefit of the doubt. Not, not, does that make no, any sense to you? Nick, do the Giants get benefit of the doubt? I'm sorry if I could unmute this. No, they shouldn't. Do they, though? Um, I don't know. Maybe delirious Giants fans give them the benefit of the doubt. But I didn't want Saquon. I didn't want Daniel Jones. Yeah. So, I mean, there's... there's, there's it, it's tough to say, but, but to give the, the Patriots... The benefit of the doubt because they drafted Brady in the seventh round 37 years ago and it worked out. I, I say I say the Giants definitely get benefit but, of the doubt. And I was bringing this up as a, as to to Keith's point. You know the Giants have been just as bad as the Jets over the past five years. I mean they've been terrible. I think we have the same record. But you guys have won yeah. a couple Super Bowls, right? And I remember when you drafted Danny Dimes and they were like Gettleman. He has a vision. You know, he was in full bloom. What was his name? Danny Dimes, you know, threw four touchdowns against Tampa <laughs> Bay. ESPN has his name in lights. You know, G-Men are on the attack. Saquon, oh, you know, right? But I, I didn't see any of that with Sam Darnold when the Jets drafted him. You know, yeah, I didn't see any. Makes, yeah. and, 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 and if you listen to the WFAN, you know, Maggie and all those people, you know, it's all constant. Well, you know, the Giants, because... That's just kind of the narrative, and you got to win games to change those narratives. Sure. But, but but New England, you know, unfortunately, look, their their franchise got caught cheating, and they were cheating. And guess what? People kind of forgot about it. And it's Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, and it, it's unfortunate, but it lives on. Listen, guys, yeah. I just want to say one thing: if I am a Patriot fan asking them to draft a skill position player. I'm looking at this draft and every draft Bill Belichick has ever had, like a Jet fan watching them draft Mike Nugent in the second round. Okay, that's how I feel every time. The if I'm a Patriot fan, like an honest one, like Mike was saying, you got lucky with Tom Brady. If I'm a Patriot fan and an honest one, I'm looking at every single draft, going, "Oh my God, we got another kicker in round two. <laughs> People have the data. And we'll move on, everybody. But people have the data in front of them. And we live in a world now where people would just not look at it. You know, they have it in front of them. Bill Belichick is 29 and 58 
in his career against teams with a 500 record without Tom Brady. Guys, that's beyond next level garbage and trash. All right, and one last thing here. I want to give Mike a little kudos and maybe just like throw a little kudos to myself here, guys. Because you, know, you guys know these mock drafts are hard to do. That's why idiots like Mel Kuyper get paid the big bucks, right? Because they go out there and they get like 3% of the picks correct. It's not easy to do, guys. And when you talk about a mock draft, um, the ways, obviously, a mock draft someone does is accurate is by nailing the picks and getting those correct, guys. Um, but trades kind of change the landscape of that. There was 10 trades in the first round. Okay, so when you look at someone's mock and there's that many trades, predicting the positions a team selects is also a way you can say, all right, the guy was pretty accurate with what the team was going to do. You kind of saw what they were going to do. And then, of course, predicting the players taken in the round. Um, when it comes to me and Mike, I mean, obviously, you guys know we nailed Sauce. Okay, guys? Jermaine Johnson's on the squad. Brees Hall we nailed. Mike did a great job there. I want to say when it comes to positions, 30, 32 um, picks in the first round, Mike, you were able to pick 13 positions correct, which is on par with Mel Kuyper, just so you know, Michael. On par with Mel Kuyper. I was able to get 14. McShay only had 11. I mean, what are you doing, McShay? You want to tune into ABG? Tune in next year. And we'll school you up. Maybe give you some picks, bro. Maybe do a little bit better. Michael, six wide receivers we thought would be taken in the first round. The same six wide receivers we thought would be taken were selected in the first round. Um, we thought Thibodeau would go top five. Mike, you thought it. I thought it. Hopefully the Jets at four. Maybe we thought we'd go in the top three. Some people thought 14. Kuiper had him all the way down in 12 and 13, Mike. Yeah. Where'd he go? He went to five to the G-Man, Mike, as we thought. Steelers took a QB like we thought, not the guy we thought. Willis, I think... And the Kobe Dean were probably the picks we had, Mike, that dropped the most. We didn't really, we weren't too inaccurate with the first round picks, but those are the two guys I think that fell the most was Willis, who obviously fell for a while and went to the Titans there. And the Kobe Dean, that was interesting. I don't know if he wanted, didn't want to have shoulder surgery, what the situation was. I thought he'd be a first rounder. Giants went O line like we thought, Mike. Seahawks went wide receiver like we thought, so we did pretty good. And in the first round, out of 32 spots, we each were able to select 25 of the correct guys that went in the first round, Mike. So a tip of the cap to you. Mike on your mock draft. I think we did a great job. In the last couple years, we've been doing a great job here in ABG. But let's rip through the actual selections the Jets made now. Guys, we talked about it a little bit when we did the draft. Uh, uh, when we did the second round of the draft, we didn't know who the Jets were going to take yet, so we weren't really that prepared for Brees Hall to land on our laps. I thought Mike, honestly, I thought we were going to have to call an ambulance on Mike because Mike was so excited when we were able to get him. But let's get to number four first, okay? When we got to number four, Mike, Sauce was on the board. Thibodeau was also on the board. Okay, went a little different than we thought our mocks would go, but no matter what, we each thought Sauce was going to be the guy. When you got there and Thibodeau was also on the board, though, Mike, did you question it for a second? Did you still want Thibodeau? I was good with either one of them. Um, but after the draft, we learned that Sauce was always the guy. He was always the pick for Robert Sala. And that made me feel very good because if that was who they wanted and their entire plan was built off of hey if we get x then we can do y then that's what i always want to happen because they're the ones that have all the information they know how the team is structured and this is what robert sala wanted he wanted his richard sermon he wanted an eraser he wanted a guy like ahmad sauce gardner who brings that swag to the new york jets the the, the owner loves him I love his confidence. Uh, heard him talk on a couple of the different shows. They were bringing up, hey, you know, the Jets in the past were able, and he stops the podcast dead stop saying, we're not, I'm not here to talk about the past. This is all about now and the future. 
you know, just shutting the whole narrative up, same old Jets. I loved it. And uh, what Robert Sala, what we have now is this, he, he not only has crazy length, you know, which is just unbelievable. He, you know, that suffocating type of ability to just disrupt all of these different receivers and their routes because of his length. But this kid has speed. He's flexible. He's got ball skills. I mean, what's so awesome about Sauce to me, guys, go look at, I think it was Brandon, um, you know, who was it? His name was um, uh, Staley. Yeah, um, I think it was Brandon Staley, who was with the Rams, and now he's with the uh, Chargers. When he got Jalen Ramsey, what he did is he ran Ramsey out in man, okay? So the best receiver on the team, he got Ramsey in man. But guess what? The rest of the cornerbacks were in zone. So he he essentially just islanded him off, right? And then and then just hybrided the rest of the defensive backs. And then that's why when 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 this dude went to the Chargers, he just did the same thing to JC Jackson. He they just threw the bag at him to kind of give him that. That's what Robert Sala is going to do with freaking Sauce. He's going to just put him man erase that that weapon take him away the debo take him away and then we just zone up the rest of the for the rest of the uh the the backfield i think it's really uh impressive and you guys remember how good the new york jet defense was was when we had jarell revis back and remember that when we had megatron and all those great play and they didn't do nothing with the when, yeah. when the guy was on the field so it's huge and i'm i'm super 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 excited to bring him on yeah, I mean, when you're talking about a guy like Sauce in college, as we've talked about and you've heard about it, didn't allow a touchdown last year, didn't allow a touchdown his entire college career, over 1,000 snaps, which is completely ridiculous, 6.6 .6 per reception. The 4-4-1-40 time at six foot three, with the length he has, I mean, he's just made physically and mentally with the swagger he has, the confidence he has, how well he reads plays, he's made to be a number one corner. I have no idea why Stingley Jr. went in front of him, guys. No clue. So I'm, I'm not saying Stingley Jr. won't go and be a great NFL corner. I know a lot of people like him as well. Tremendous athlete. Had a tremendous freshman year. The last two years, not even close to the level that Sauce is at. At least in my estimation and most NFL scouts' estimation. Um, the acceleration, like we said, is ridiculous. When you're talking about what Mike said, and I want to ask Sammy this. I mean, you're a coach. If you have a guy like Sauce... And I asked you this Tuesday night, but just, just kind of walk us through it again real quick. You have a guy like Sauce on the team, and then you have a DJ Reed. You have a Bryce Hall. You have a Pinnock. You have guys that can play the nickel like a card of the third. So, I mean, they have some options here at corner. But adding Sauce into that mix, how does that help the secondary, and how does that help the defensive line? So I think it's probably a combination of multiple things. But with a guy like Sauce, you're going to highlight what he does well. So you're going to put him in a lot of press man. Let them bang dudes up at the line of scrimmage, get them off their routes. That, again, and just going a little ahead, but that's why Garrett Wilson's such a great pick because he can create that space and kind of negate the ability of a guy like Sauce. But having a Sauce allows you to run basically, and, and Wookie kind of knows what I'm going to talk about here, but you could run this sort of man-free look where you have Whitehead in the in as a safety just looking at the quarterback right so he gets ball down and he's coming up to do what he does best which is lay some smack down on some unsuspecting person or he's going to drop back and try to make a play on the ball and basically ball hawk 
So what you've done with Sauce is now you've been able to rotate these external dudes like, you know, DJ Reed and all these, you've got all these guys externally that you can rotate, but you're freed up two of your best players defensively to do what they do best, which then trickles down into your defensive line where if you can even create a modicum of stress on the quarterback, like just a little bit, just enough, he's going to make a mistake where you put yourself in such a good position in the secondary that you're going to capitalize on any mistake that guy makes. And I don't mean like get to the quarterback every single play. I mean, one time in three plays and we're going to capitalize on that because we're in such a good position with the guy like sauce. That's tremendous, bro. Thank you very much. And you know, when it comes to the X's and O's, no one breaks it down like cousin Sammy. You know, I was thinking Mike, um, when it comes to sauce and hold on one sec. Oh my God. Hold up. Juno just spilled a fucking shit all over my foot. Get out of here. Sorry, bro. Sorry. Um, when it comes to Sauce going at four, I want to ask the Wookiee this, actually. When it comes to Sauce going at four and then Thibodeau falling into your lap at five, Wookiee, um, how'd you feel about that? Would you have rather had Sauce on the team or rather had Thibodeau head to the G-men there at five? Uh, I'm like what Mike said before. I would have been happy if either of them were there. Um, we needed both, you know, help in both areas. So I don't think we could have went wrong. I just love that Stingley went beforehand because I was like, all right, we're either going to get Sauce or we're going to get Thibodeau. Because the Jets are either gonna get sauce or they're gonna get Thibodeau. Yeah, and I was and I was, I was happy with with either or. To be honest, I think we did a a pretty good job this year. So I'm happy where uh, Dayball and Shen are going with this. Mike actually is gonna break it down a little further for you guys. Here's a little package he put together about our boy Ahmad Sauce Gardner, newest New York Jet. Ahmad Sauce Gardner, cornerback, University of Cincinnati, a long suffocating defensive back that possesses elite traits that translate to the next level. With 33 and a half inch arms, Gardner ranks in the 97th percentile among participants in the 2022 NFL Draft. Sauce leverages his athleticism to swarm opponents, getting his hands all over them disrupting their routes. Having excellent ball skills, Gardner recognizes play development and alters his position assignments accordingly. He excels in man coverage by use of very good short area bursts while also running well when quickly getting to his top end 4-4 speed. He has never allowed a touchdown during his college career and handled business when matched against Alabama's star wideout Jamison Williams. Gardner has the traits and demeanor to become a top five elite corner at the pro level doing that as always your voice on those voiceover packages is amazing okay you're always on point mike garrett wilson though let's get into it michael now when we did the draft with the wide receivers when, actually when we did the show with the wide receivers i know you weren't the biggest fan of him drake london went ahead of him at eight i think maybe that's who the jets would have taken at number 10 if he was there they said it was between those two guys as their favorite receivers were you disappointed they grabbed garrett wilson and not jameson williams after the draft and the smoke cleared and you did a little bit more research, are you happy now or happier now with Garrett Wilson than you were at least a few weeks ago? Well, I mean, I definitely think that Jamison Williams is a much better prospect than Garrett Wilson. Um, but I think I understand what where um, JD's head, head was at. I heard that the New York Jets were looking to trade up with the Seattle Seahawks because they they got wind that potentially the Seattle, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles were going to trade up to go grab a receiver, and JD and team looks like they wanted Garrett Wilson. 
they had targeted him. And again, I will default to the coaching staff if they really liked him and they got the guy they wanted because that is the one that they wanted. Then um, I'm happy with that. Now, I can understand, in my opinion, why they did this. And they did this because JD was looking to get a vet veteran receiver in there. We need to help Zach Wilson now. The problem with Jameson Williams is Jameson Williams won't be ready until October. So essentially, you've got Zach Wilson out there, OTAs throughout training camp, throughout the beginning of the season without his number one receiver. And he needs help now, okay? Because there's no, no more time to pontificate and chill and twiddle thumbs. We got to execute. And the most, and I said this during our mock, the most pro-ready receiver today is Garrett Wilson. He's, you know what you're going to get right away. The guy, we spoke about his route running. We spoke about his yak, his ability to point the ball, the, 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 the long uh, range, his ability to, to separate. He's got all of it, and he's got all of it day one, and he's going to be a problem. Now, again, I don't know if he's going to be an elite receiver, if he's going to be a Tyreek Hill, if he's going to end up being an Pearl Bowler. I see Jamison Williams potentially becoming something like that. But as far as like day one getting ill, like, and I think that, you know, the opinion on him is, is kind of varies everywhere you go. I mean, I've heard that Garrett Wilson is going to be the next Justin Jefferson, uh, Matt Arlowski uh, uh, was saying that, right? And I was like, wow, uh, Justin Jefferson? But then you had fantasy guys like Matt Miller. Well, not Matt Miller. Um, the uh, fantasy, who is who is he? Matthew Barry, excuse me, said that uh, he thinks Garrett Wilson is going to be a third, maybe even fourth option. He wouldn't even touch him. <laughs> so, oh I, you know, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, the opinions are everywhere. I think that JD did the right thing. He got the guy he thought was going to bring value to Wilson right away. And him, Elijah Moore, and Corey Davis are going to be an issue. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I think, I mean, everyone has an opinion. Matthew Berry is the expert on fantasy football just because he was like the first guy that did it just like Mel Kuyper doesn't mean you know anything Matthew Barry your opinion is useless to me Mike you're right though when it comes to Wilson with the yards after the catch the body control we know he has the wheels he can make the catches over the top he can separate from defenders I liked him a little bit more than you coming in not it's not like you didn't have him rated highly you still had him rated as your fifth or sixth receiver you didn't have him rated like a scrub you just didn't have him rated maybe as the one or two or three like some other guys Mike you know Vegas odds right near right now Offensive Rookie of the Year next season. Number one, Drake London. Number two, Burks. Number three, Kenny Pickett. Which is all right, I guess. I could maybe what? see that happening. Number four, though, Garrett Wilson. Number five, Brees Hall. Look, both on the Jets right there. Guys, how do you feel about that world? Um, and you're talking about plus 500 to plus 800. So all those guys are pretty tight there. So I think Vegas at least thinks Gary Wilson's the real deal and can really help the Jets. Guys, our first wide receiver we took in the first round. I should say the only wide receiver we've taken in the first round since 2001. Santana Moss. I mean, we have not invested at that high of level in receiver in a long time. I know we took Mims a couple years ago. I think his spot might be in jeopardy here, Mike. We'll start knowing more about that as we get closer to um, the preseason here. But when you look at where he's at in the pecking order here, not a good look for Mims. You know they're keeping Barrios. You know the other three receivers on the team already are all big names. He's in a tough spot because he doesn't play special teams. But you have the fast 40 time when, here when it comes to Wilson, too. 
2020, eight catches, 723, six touchdowns. Last year, had a tremendous year, over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns. So, I mean, I was excited they had another weapon there. I know Elijah Moore and him are not necessarily redundant players, but they're both very quick, very shifty, great hands. You can't have enough of those guys like Sammy said on the team. If you think he's the most talented guy, you go out and grab him. We know they went out and added other offensive weapons in the draft, which we're going to get to in a moment here. But before we get into our, our number 26 pick here and chop up about Jermaine Johnson, let's go to a little package Mike has about his favorite new receiver, Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, Ohio State University. Wilson is a dynamic receiver who has the lateral quickness and explosiveness to take over any throw or handoff the distance. He has eye-popping ball skills when it's time to go and make a play. His foot speed and balance let him consistently miss the first defender when the ball is in his hands and make him dangerous on underneath throws and screens to create yards after the catch. He possesses good catching range and is comfortable extending for balls away from his body. He also has the balance to turn for throws and still maintain momentum going forward. He made 27 catches on 371 yards and six touchdowns over the last three games of his college level career. Thank you, Mike, for that. That's Garrett Wilson going to be crushing it out there, hopefully, with the Wilson-to-Wilson connection in the future. You know, we the most surprising guy in the draft, I think, maybe besides Malik Willis, Mike, that fell just because of where he was maybe projected to start off the draft and where we got him at was Jermaine Johnson here at number 26. I mean, that guy, I, I saw some draft picks where the Jets were taking him at four and I know Mike you said we were talking how Joe D considered him at four considered him at um at 10 as well but let's yeah. get into Jermaine Johnson here guys fell to number 26 and Mike what you and I heard was from about number 14 you told me that from about 14 to when they got him at 26 the Jets were trying to move up the whole time to get Jermaine Johnson that's how much they liked him as a prospect that's how much they wanted him on the team is that right Mike oh man Sammy Salah told Jermaine Yo, we're going to come get you. And he was just waiting. It's wild, man, because Jermaine wanted to be a Jet. I, I, He's he's already going to be one of my favorite players. And the Jets tried to get him from pick 15 all the way up until finalists, finally the Tennessee Titans went and traded with us. And this guy was the eighth-ranked player on JD's board. I can't believe that he fell all the way to 26. Now, what I've heard are character concerns or that he didn't interview that well. Yeah, that's what um, I heard too. Uh, and, and some other things that he was a one-year player, if you will. Um, we all know his story. Um, and, and the package I have actually kind of details his story there as a JUCO player. But, you know, this guy's motor and what he was able to do at, at, at um, Florida State University, unbelievable. What, uh, Sammy, what do you think? Like, what do you think that's going to be like with, if you got a guy like Carl Lawson? And then guess what happens? JFM gets to move inside now. Now JFM gets to be where he's supposed to be, right? Um, in that, I think it's the three tech near one tech position with, with Quinnen. That's where he's supposed to be. It's stopping the run and going out, ripping, ripping through the middle. And you've got a guy like Jermaine Johnson. Now, I don't know if he's going to start right away, Jermaine, but I'm sure in the nickel packages and some of the different, uh, you know, we you, you know Salah rotates those edge guys. 
you know, he's going to get burned. And, and if he's able to live up to where he's supposed to be, I think he's going to be a beast. What, what do you think, Sammy? Yeah, so basically, Franklin Myers will play the three tech because that one tech gets eaten up. He's going to take all the double teams and stuff like that. So Q is that guy because he's blown up double teams, getting through the line of scrimmage. So if you can move him in, and you've got Lawson, Johnson on the edge. I mean, even with the rotation, what you've opened up if you're the Jets is we already talked about the secondary, and now let's funnel it back down to the line. That modicum of stress you need to put on the quarterback is exponentially higher if you've built what you've just done. Because not only did you shake Jermaine Johnson, you have Carl Lawson coming back, you have Quinny Williams, you have Preston Myers, and and we have still CJ Williams in the middle there, hanging out, doing what they do best. So you're talking about a line that's built for success. That's going to put pressure. You've taken the even the defensive end from Texas A&M, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But now you've stacked this position so high that even if one guy fails, another guy can come in and potentially be that dude who's going to show up and show out. You know, so like Keith is kind of saving even with the Eli Moore, Garrett Wilson pick is, yeah, they're both kind of similar. But Garrett Wilson gives me like Tory Holt vibes where he's like a suit or Andre Johnson, where he just runs super crisp routes. And he's great at creating space and openings. That's the same thing that Johnson does on the defensive line is his rip move and his ability to disengage from an offensive lineman and cut through that block, I think, is going to add just such a nice value to that defensive line for the Jets. Yeah, and I saw, and you guys are right, man. You know, Sal loves getting these guys in and out of the game. I mean, we have Rankins coming back. They brought Solomon Thomas in. I'm not saying he's a great player, but another guy, depth guy for the line, right? We know we have Shepard, Vinny Curry. I know we had the health issues last year. He's going to be back with us next year. And, Sammy, one of the things that was a criticism of Johnson and what they said maybe was, and you, maybe you can explain this to people better, um, when they said maybe why he fell, and Mike and I talked about this, we talked about, texted about this on the side, was his pass block win rate. And what I want to ask you is, I mean, he had 46 QB pressures. He had 12 sacks. He has 20 tackles for a loss. So this guy is like terrorizing quarterbacks. He's in the backfield crushing running backs. You know, his win rate when it comes to the blocks and stuff and getting in the backfield, running and passing, um, which was the issue they were saying. How can that be so good statistically, but percentage-wise on paper doesn't look as good? So, like, for him, he may face a lot of quarterbacks that have a tendency to roll out of the pocket, and he's really good at creating leverage. So when they roll out, he's just there. And he's, yeah. his job is sealing an edge. So a quarterback rolls out, he seals the edge. Now the guy's right in front of him, boom, he's got a sack right there. You know, so he may not even win that positional play, okay. but he's in the right position to make the play. Okay, right? I got you. Yeah, yeah that makes so, sense. So he might not have a good pass win rate because when he's – his only move might be one, maybe he has a rip or a swim, right? Maybe he just disengages and bull rushes, whatever it is, he might only be good at one thing. So people game plan towards that. So he just, what I like about it actually, so it's a really good question is that either way, he puts himself in a really good position where he's making plays on the football. Exactly. So it doesn't matter if he's exactly. winning at yeah. all because he's in a spot to make really good plays in the backfield and tackles in general. So yeah. I was saying to Mike, I was like, well, what if you have a defensive end who's like off the line before everyone and just blazes past the left tackle and crushes someone? Yeah, that doesn't it doesn't affect his pass block roommate because you didn't even get a chance to block his ass, right? Because he's already smashing your quarterback. And in some cases, like we said, the tackles for a loss, smashing the running back. And guys, when it comes to sacks, 
tackles and tackles for a loss. You add those up, number one in the nation last year when it comes to defensive ends. More than Hutchinson, more than Thibodeau, more than any of those guys. So the production did, was there for him. Um, and, you know, go ahead, Mike. Did you uh, hear uh, Doosable and Bart Scott? Like, they love this dude. Love him. Love, love him. this dude. And they were so amped. <laughs> I didn't know that they liked him like that. Like, they're like, they were speaking about yo if you even take him at four like they yeah. thought he, he was as good as oh, Bart Scott loved him Bart Scott they, I mean on the show he was speaking to Alan Hahn and he was just talking about how he was like could not believe this dude was dropping the way he was and he kept wanting the Jets to move up he thought the Bills were going to go grab him up too Mike I know Todd McShay said the absolute number one steal of this draft was Jermaine Johnson at 26 that's encouraging to hear guys uh, and, you know, he was absolute. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention to you guys, talking about Jonathan Franklin Myers before, like you said, he can play inside and he can play outside. So I think if you look, Jermaine Johnson, he had 12 sacks last year, but he was really, really good at stopping the run. And when we did our show about a month ago and we talked to Max Torres, Mike, me and you were looking at Jermaine Johnson. We looked at Trevon Walker. We, we looked at the other defensive ends. And we before we dug into Jermaine Johnson all the way like we did right before the draft, it looked like he was really good at stopping the run. So I could see him being in there on first down and second down. And maybe his pass rush isn't at that level yet to be in there on third down. Maybe you have Jonathan Franklin Myers as the end. Like, he played defensive end mostly last year. He had six sacks. But he gives them options. That's what that boy Sala likes. You know, he just wants options. But let's start with this package you have, Mike. And a little bit more into the story of Jermaine Johnson, New York Jet. Jermaine Johnson, defensive end, Florida State University. Johnson did not qualify academically coming out of Eden Prairie High School. He started his collegiate career playing two seasons at Independence Community College, where he was featured on the Netflix series Last Chance U. Eventually, he rated the top-level junior college prospect after racking up a total of 12 and a half sacks. Johnson is an ascending edge prospect, has the NFL traits and the potential to keep getting bigger and better as a professional. As a pass rusher, he wins primarily thanks to his length and motor while consistently changing his approach. Johnson's last year received ACC Defensive Player of the Year and First Team All-Conference Honors ranked tied for eighth nationally with 18 tackles for a loss, 12 sacks, 70 total stops with two pass breakups and two force fumbled in 12 starts. All right, that's Jermaine Johnson, guys. Hopefully going to tear it up on the defensive line for us next year. But let's get into this next pick, Michael, because you know what? I know before the draft happened, Mike, when we did Mock Madness Part 2, okay, it's in the archives, everybody. Go check it out. Uh... We, you and I, and Sammy as well, when we got to Sammy, all agreed, which is ironic because this doesn't really happen in these mock drafts. Very often that there's a direction the Jets should go. We hope at number 35, they take Brees Hall. And Mike, you went on, and I'm going to let you take the, hall, the, the floor here. But Mike, did you not go and share that thought with other podcasters, with other places, with other Jet uh, media outlets and things of that nature, Jet chat groups, things that you're in of that nature? And it didn't seem to be the most popular opinion before the draft. Is that correct? Well, um, after the Tyreek Hill debacle and we didn't get him, I'm thinking, yep, we probably are not going to get an elite receiver. And we did the receiver show. And at the end of the show, if you remember, we were talking, we mentioned if the New York Jets are not able to land an elite receiver in the first round, 
and essentially are going into the second round and haven't really addressed the receiver position, then maybe we should think about drafting an elite running back because that's where we can provide that value for Zach Wilson. So we kind of touched on that then, and then we did our mock, and then both you and I essentially had Jermaine Johnson or Karloftis and Sauce going to the Jets, and we didn't know that you know he would be as savvy as he was moving up and all that. So we said, oh, man, well, uh, we're in the second round. Most of these beasts are gone. What are we going to do? And the best thing to do is let's go grab the best running back talent. We both said Buffalo won't take him because they have the number one rushing quarterback in the league. I know a lot of you Buffalo fans are really upset. I don't think anybody from Buffalo is really listening to the show. But if you are, I know you guys were pretty upset that uh, you didn't go running back once again and that your running back that you wanted fell to the New York Jets. Now, I did mention this on uh, Twitter space with Rich Semini, um, also with Damian Woody. Damian Woody kind of just um, pivoted and said, no, um, they're going to get a receiver. He was right. They did go get a receiver. Semini said it was definitely a possibility, but a lot of the other jet analysts and podcasters and so on and so forth said they would never do this we're going to grab a running back in the fifth and the sixth round and what so on and so and i never understood that perspective because they just act like running backs in the fourth fifth sixth round are at bring the same type of value as those guys that are at the top and i just flat out disagree i understand you say oh well nick chubb went down and this scrub came in and he you know, did well. Well, he did well in that small time frame in that situation. And there are running backs that are or players that are going to succeed for a little bit amount of time, but that doesn't mean they're going to be consistently elite at all times. There's not that sure. many uh, uh, Jonathan Taylors and Jonathan Taylor changes the game. He changes how teams defend against the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. Javante Williams. You don't think that Javante Williams is going to be changing the way Denver Broncos operate. So, what Brees Hall did is what Keith and I explained before the draft. He changes the entire dynamic when you are defending the New York Jets. We wanted him on our team because we understood that our offensive line was at the proper place to bring an elite talent like Brees Hall. Brees Hall isn't just a normal guy. This is a top-end prospect. Four, three, nine speed with his size, his ability to catch, his ability to burst through the seams. He's going to be the rookie of the year. I'm, I don't give a shit what Vegas says. <laughs> I don't care. He, <laughs> let me tell you something right now. They are going to run the ball. Zach, if you think that Sala and, and JD are going to hang their hat on the cat from BYU to be the best quarterback. I, I, I promise you, this this pick they just made is their their CYA uh, pick because all they're going to do is if Zach Wilson starts coming out fluttering around and not doing what he's got to do, they're just going to hand the ball off to this savage and he's just going to eat yards up. And there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. Okay, the New York Jets are a problem for you because they have an offensive line that will push you on the floor. God help. Becton is healthy, and that mammoth Jupiter planet is moving and gravitating people all over the damn field. <laughs> don't let, don't, don't, and then you got, you know, Lincoln Tomlinson, and then that whole offensive line, and then you got Michael Carter mixed with Brees Hall. The Jets are a problem for teams. 
And that's why JD did it. They stay. And guess what? This player, Brees Hall, was a LaFleur star. He LaFleur wanted him. And they tried to trade up into Nick. The Jets tried to trade up into the first round to get Brees Hall. Do you know that? They would have had four first round picks. That's how bad they wanted him. And then they they did it. They went in and and I'm just thanking goodness that and Keith Keith freaking nailed it. He said, "We're not going to get him at 38. We got to move up because the Texans are going to take him." And guess yeah. what? They were and JD knew it. And he traded with your boys, the New York Giants, to go move up and get the Barkley that should have been the Barkley. He's not Barkley. He's Brees Hall. But he's what what you guys hoped Barkley would be. Who knows? Maybe Barkley still will be. But <laughs> what'd you think about that move, uh, Nick? I think it worked out for you guys. We got a couple extra picks out of it down the line, I think. Yeah. So it, it, it should be good. It should be all right for both sides. I like when we have the New York and New York love like that, and the Giants help us out. The Giants help us out to get Brees Hall, which is tremendous. I mean, what I what I want to point out that's interesting, Mike, I did think the Texans would take him at 37. You heard Nick Casario was going to do that, and that's why we moved up once we didn't have that 35 pick anymore. But it's interesting you hear some of these podcasts or journalists or people on blogs like all over the place talking about how drafting Brees Hall gives us insurance with Sam, uh, excuse me, insurance with Zach Wilson in case he's not great. Drafting Brees Hall opens up the passing game, opens up play action, second and short, dictates the pace of the game. Mike, they're saying this all after the draft. Okay. There was a podcast in a place saying that all before the draft. Every single thing people are saying retroactively, we said proactively. Just in case anybody forgot what Mike and I said or predicted in relation to Brees Hall and the direction the Jets should go, here you go. So what I say is what am I going to do and bring the greatest value on the field day one and to help Zach Wilson? And that is getting an elite running back tandem and put that running back tandem behind one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And so I got the New York Jets selecting Brees Hall out of Iowa State, matching him with Michael Carter, and getting one of the best running back duos in the National Football League. That's what I'm saying, and I'm telling you, this, to me, I would do as the general manager. I agree with you 100%. I know I think we're kind of lockstep in what we're thinking here. I know you can kind of change the dynamic of this entire team. And I'm not saying we don't want Zach Wilson to be able to throw 45 touchdowns. Of course we do. But I don't think he's there yet. But when you're able to run the ball, you kind of dictate the pace of the game. You put your quarterback in a position to succeed. I think in my mock, just like you, Mike, I have him taking Brees Hall. I don't think they can wait if they want him because I think the Texans would take him at a 37. I don't think we can wait to 38. Okay, we're in Joe Douglas's head, guys. You know what I'm saying? You want to know what the Jets are going to do? Just tune into the podcast because we tried to tell look, you. Look, they we tried can, to tell you. All our listeners know we're not BSing. You go back, go back all the way, even to the first draft with JD. What did Keith say? We're taking Becton. He said it. I'm, it's not go back. <laughs> Maybe I'll ask Keith to go grab the clips. And we get here now, all the way through the process, all the tape, you have all the prospects laid out in front of you. Gets to number 11 to the New York Jets. I don't see how they don't draft uh, Makai Becton. <laughs> Louisville. Said Becton, we drafted Becton. Who was your boy calling out the whole time? Mims. 
we took Mims. I've been talking about this kid since the combine. I, I've been in love with this kid more than everyone else, except for Lamb and the, the main guys, right? Mims has been my guy. And the reason why. I mean, I didn't know he wasn't going to be good, but I wanted him and they took him. Right. We got Zach Wilson. We got AVT. Go look at the tape. We we did. We we projected <laughs> this year. What did we do? We said Brees Hall. We said um, Sauce Gardner. Everybody was saying, "Oh, it's KT." It's a... so. Look, I'm not trying to. I I really don't like to brag all of it. But it but it, if you want to know what the New York Jets are doing, you tune in to ABG because we yeah. here are the biggest Jeff fans. You know, as big as you, as Jeff fans, as big as anyone who loves this team, and um. I'm super happy that they did exactly what we were hoping they would do. Yeah, and anyone who's listening to us right now who listens to a Jet podcast is a maniac, and we respect you, and we love you and Gang Green Nation out there. Getting Brees Hall, though, getting back to him and that pick individually, we stop bragging on ourselves just for a hot second, and we'll focus on this pick and how it helps the Jets. And we mentioned them all just now, the way it's going to help the offense. Um, and I want to ask Sammy about that in a second, but we, and we talked about the college production, 56 touchdowns rushing and receiving in college. That is completely insane level of production that is that is ridiculous when we talk about the score like mike was saying the 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 running backs that have graded out at the same level as Brees hall the last 15 years it's ezekiel elliott saquon barkley derrick henry and nick chubb did you guys hear what i just said okay that's i mean look that's like i know barkley has been injured don't get me wrong but you're talking about cream of the crop level guys and according to Joe D, the 18th ranked player on our board, we know we can catch the ball out of the backfield. Also going to help us there. We have the one-two punch here with Carter now. As we mentioned, say Zach, for instance, struggles, or maybe Zach is mediocre. Maybe he's not taking the step next year. It doesn't mean now the Jets are going to stink. If the defense can play decent and you can run the ball with this kid and Carter, you're still in games. You're still in game. That's what me and Mike were trying to say before the draft because we don't know how Zach's going to play. We're hoping he leaps, right? We're hoping he takes a huge jump. I hope he throws 45 touchdowns next season. That would be tremendous. But you lend yourself towards having a better team if you can really have a great run game. I mean, we're not we're not inventing the wheel here, guys. You, you know this has been going on forever. Same same thing and same premise in football for a really long time when it comes to the team. But w- the way he's going to help the offense, Sammy, I know Carter is a good running back, and last year towards the end of the year he definitely improved. And people like Carter. I like Carter, too. But the different type of running back when it comes to Brees Hall, and he's going to bring something completely different to the run game. Is that right? Yeah. Um, just to touch on quickly, you were talking about, Mike, how these random running backs are good. There's only so many Toby Gerhards, right, or Peyton Hillises, right? The reason exactly. that every, everybody who listens to this podcast definitely plays fantasy football. The reason the first five picks are running backs is because they're a premium position, guys. Get it together. Logically, as a human, you know that makes sense. Now, as to why Bryce Hall, Brees Hall makes the offense better, it, it's really simple. He is a, a powerful downhill runner that also has secondary speed. So you have Michael Carter, who's someone who can now let's let's pause for a minute. Go to Le'Veon Bell. We sign him. We're running a power blocking scheme and we're putting a zone running back in a power blocking scheme. The guy gets no yards. Now you have Michael Carter, who's very good at zone, and you have Brees Hall, who's very good at power. So you can run multiple different things offensively, especially from your offensive line position, where you're putting the defense in conflict positions. You can run it right down their throat, or you can run stretch plays and let your guy create space in the open and find the hole himself. 
So you've given yourself multiple avenues, not only running the ball, but like you said, Keith, both guys can catch it out of the backfield. So now you have screen options, backside screens, you've got tight end screens, you've got all these different things built in because you have a lethal thing in the backfield. Yeah, and I'm, you know, one thing he does well too, Sammy, which is often overlooked, not by coaches like you, but, but just by NFL fans, is he can block too as a running back. I know Kenneth Walker III is a little smaller than him, and one of the big knocks on him, he just cannot block out of the backfield. I know his receiving yards weren't there, but I'm ha- I mean, obviously everyone's stoked that we got him. Talking about an All-American 2020 and 2021, Big 12 Player of the Year last year and the year before that. I mean, this is an absolute monster we added to the team. Guys, the offense is going to be changed when teams go to scheme for the Jets. If this offensive line is playing like the way Mike mentioned, and it looks like on paper we have a good offensive line. You heard Salah mention last week, Michael, already now the rumblings here of Becton to right tackle, which may be the way that it goes. Uh, I know Becton, the offseason, people are questioning him not being into voluntary workouts. I know he just had a baby. Michael, you mentioned that to me as well. Um, but it looks like he's working hard in the offseason. And if he reaches his full potential and all the other guys on the line just play as good as we know they are, I mean, that line's going to be something else. Even if it was just Carter and uh, more mediocre running backs, I think they'd be able to produce with a guy like Hall who can make something happen on his own. Just give him a little bit of space. And he's going to be tremendous. Uh, let's throw to this, though, because you know Brees Hall has a highlight reel for the ages, guys. Let's get into the newest New York Jet running back, hopefully the next Curtis Martin of the squad, Brees Hall. Brees Hall, running back out of the University of Iowa. With a relative athletic score of 9.99, that grade ranked at the very top of the 2022 NFL Draft class. A three-down bruising runner with an explosive top-end 4-3 speed, a smart and patient player who understands how to read second-level blocks, especially on zone run schemes. He imposes his will when needing to move the chains on the gotta-have-it short yardage carries. Brees utilizes tight footwork that allows him to maximize his vision. He's effective on his jump cuts to set his blockers with little wasted movement. Hall set an FBS record with 24 straight games with a rushing touchdown. Hall's cousin, former NFL running back Roger Craig, which started at Nebraska and was a major contributor to the San Francisco 49ers championship team in the 1980s. Going to be smashing teams next year. Fantasy football, be on the lookout, Michael. I know he's going to be high up there in the running back charts, especially in those dynasty rankings if you guys are in dynasty leagues. But next New York's Jet to talk about Jeremy Rucker, lifelong Jet fan. The family going bonkers when he got drafted up. Mike, lifelong dream for him to play for the squad. Lindenhurst, Long Island, out there in Suffolk County. This is one of those picks that when they grabbed him up, I mean, I thought he'd go a little higher than this, the third-ranked tight end in, in the draft. I know a lot of people said you can't really look at the numbers because of how many targets went to Olave last year, went to Wilson last year. It wasn't like he was targeted a ton, but pretty efficient with his targets. I know he can block really well, Mike. I know you're really – even though the Jets have – they got Conklin – they got Ozoma. I know that surprised some people, but still, you were very happy with this pick. Is that right, Mike? I was really happy with this pick, and I'll tell you why. They, the New York Jet coaching staff, um, were part of the Senior Bowl, and they got to see a lot of these guys up front. So guys like Max Mitchell, guys like M- Michael Clemens, and guys like Jeremy Rucker, they were front and center. Jermaine Johnson was on the other side playing for the Lions, so he, they got to see him too. And the fact that they were able to see Jeremy Rucker and they understand 
that this guy is a team type player. He wasn't getting all the burn that a lot of other players were getting, you know, in his collegiate career because, you know, you had the Alaves and the Garrett Wilsons of the world, you know, eating up all of the production and you would throw to a Jeremy Rucker if needed uh, in the end zone or what have you to get a first down. Anytime you threw to him, he got what was needed. He was always very good blocker. So um, there's always a need for him as a three down tight end in that offensive scheme, but he wasn't somebody that was a me person. He was a team person. And I believe the New York Jets saw that. And a lot of times that you get prospects at tight end, they're not gonna have gaudy numbers because most of the production is gonna be out there in the receiving realm where they get a lot of their value is, can they block? Can they uh, provide value in the run game, pass game? And then, you know, kind of be that safety valve. And I think Jeremy Rucker is exactly that. Not only that, his dad had been pushing for the Jets to draft him from since like November on Twitter. Like he's just the wildest, biggest Jet fan. It's like you and me, you or me having a, a kid. And then our kid ends up being drafted by the Jets. Like <laughs> wild son. Like he was just the happiest dude. So that Jeremy is going to be a fan favorite. I'm, I couldn't be more happy for the Rucker family. And um, I think it's an eye to the future. Uzama's 29. Conklin is, you know, he's, he's younger, but you know, I don't see Rucker potentially being the starting tight end this year, but could he be in a year or two? Absolutely. Now, I don't know if Kronk saw this. Did you see when Mel Kuyper and the guys um, who were doing the draft rookie said that Jeremy Rucker looks like a young Nicholas Kronk? No, I missed that prime part. Marriage. Did you see the I, highlight reel come up? No, I must have I must have been uh, flipping yeah, the channel or I might have been uh, grabbing a bottle <laughs> of water or something. I did guys, not you see know, that. You know this dude had one drop in two years, two drops in his entire career there in college. I know he wasn't getting the most targets, but, I mean, he makes the catches in traffic, which you want to see. That's something that's going to translate kind of wherever you play, right? The catches in traffic. You either have hands or you don't. Um, and completes his blocks, which I love. You go look at some of his tape. A lot of his, his highlight reels have great catches. Also, a lot of great blocks from Long Island. New York guy, so we love that. And let's throw a little package Mike made here for the newest New York Jet tight end, Jeremy Rucker. Jeremy Rucker, tight end, Ohio State. Rucker projects as a three-down wide tight end in the NFL thanks to his blocking ability and overall athleticism. He can work from in-line positions as a blocker and receiver on running downs and stay on the field for every down. He can sink and bend enough and understands how to fight for leverage on vertical routes. Rucker is a willing blocker who has good play strength to hold his own when blocking edge defenders from inline positions. He makes quick adjustments finding work as a run blocker. He was an honorable mention, all Big Ten Conference selection in 2021, setting career bests with 26 receptions for 309 yards, 11.9 per reception, and scoring three times in 12 games in 10 starts. That's Jeremy Rucker there, getting to the, some offensive line depth further down in the draft here. The Jets grabbed up Max Mitchell, Michael, Louisiana, Rage and Cajun, six foot six, three oh seven, big old boy. Run blocker, um, is, at least the scouting report on him is run blocking, kind of his strength. Has to work on the pass blocking, maybe get the his bottom half a little stronger. See a Max Mitchell offensive line highlight reel? You know Mike has it for you. He's got a package for you on him as well. Let's go. Max Mitchell, offensive tackle, University of Louisiana Lafayette. 
Max was a three-year starter inside of Billy Napier's spread, run-heavy, multiple offense with 37 career starts split between both tackle spots. He has impressive length with independent hand usage while showing variance with his strikes in pass protection. Max is twitchy, and he has crisp punch lands with good timing and authority. Mitchell's play in all 14 games at right tackle earned national respect in 2021, garnered third-team Associated Press All-American honors along with a first-team All-Conference nod. When you look at pro football focus, he rated out at a 94.8 last year. I think that's where our boy Joe Douglas was looking. He actually, right. I know where he's ranked insofar as these tackles go. Don't get me wrong. And I'm, I'm not saying I know any better than anyone at scouts.com. But when you look at where, how he actually played, he actually played really well last year. Third team All-American. Maybe someone that slipped through the cracks there, right, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, he was a, a third team Associated Press All-American honors along with a first team All-Conference nod, Mr. Max Mitchell. And I think, again, two things I really love about this guy. One, he was at the Senior Bowl and they got to see him up front live. They got a tendencies. They understand what he was able to do. Okay. Now, by the way, Max Mitchell got destroyed by Jermaine Johnson during the Senior Bowl. There's a clip of that uh, circulating out there on YouTube. Oh, but um, Max Mitchell also has another attribute that I love about him. He can play both left and right tackle and can play guard if needed. I like the flexibility. I think this guy's gonna be a swing tackle. Chuma Doga will be with Senior next year. <laughs> get it ready, get the plane ready, gas the chopper. Chuma Doga's out of here, okay? Max is gonna end up the backup tackle. And can he be a long-term starter? I don't know. I don't know if he's big enough or not, but I do think he's excellent depth. And I do think he's gonna be able to help us, God forbid, you know, we lose a guy like Mackay Becton. That's to me is the biggest risk going into the 2022 season. So I thought it was a good draft and I trust it because this coaching staff had eyes on this player. Yeah, I mean, like I read, Mike, that his senior bowl was so-so. And a lot of that had to do with the fact he had Jermaine Johnson to contend with. And if we think Jermaine Johnson's going to be a special talent, then maybe that's not the worst thing in the world that the guy was tossing you around like a child. Um, but he looks like he's going to be a good tackle for us, add some good depth. And I know this last pick here, Mike, is someone you're really excited about. I know Sammy is as well. Michael Clemens from Texas A&M, 6'5", 270. Now, the reason this guy slid down the board to where he's at, Michael, probably has to do with more off-the-field stuff than his actual play on the off-the-field stuff, including, you know, the things he got into and his injuries that has to do with his play on the field, right? Yeah, this guy, Michael Clemens, and Sammy and I were just talking about this. So he had overall um, 46 uh, pressures, I think it was. 46 QB pressures, which was the fourth most in SEC, in the SEC, and actually was more than Aiden Hutchinson. Now, I want everyone to understand why pressures are so important. Pressures are essentially an opportunity add some good depth and i know this last pick here mike is someone you're really excited about i know sammy is as well michael clemens from texas a&m 6'5 270. now the reason this guy slid down the board to where he's at michael probably has to do with more off the field stuff than his actual play on the off the field stuff including you know things he got into and his injuries that has to do with his play on the field right 
Yeah, this guy, Michael Clemens, and Sammy and I were just talking about this. So he had overall um, 46 uh, pressures, I think it was. 46 QB pressures, which was the fourth most in SEC, in the SEC, and actually was more than Aiden Hutchinson. Now, I want everyone to understand why pressures are so important. Pressures are essentially an opportunity to penetrate, to attack, to actually get after the quarterback. So if you have like a low amount of pressures and like a higher higher number of sacks, okay, you got to the quarterback, but how many opportunities did you really create to get to the quarterback? You see, if you've got a number of sacks, but your pressures are low, people have an awkward eye. But if your pressures are high and maybe you have a low amount of sacks, then, you know, they're like, okay, maybe he, they, he wasn't able to finish, but at least we know he was able to put pressure onto the quarterback. So that pressure rating is is big. This guy has the wingspan and the and the and the volume. I do have a package on this guy to listen to breakdown, but this man is disruptive, explosive. Sammy, you want to talk a little bit about that Texas A&M um, defensive line and and what we were discussing about what he could potentially be with the New York Jets? Yeah. So first, I definitely want to start with. Another shout out to uh, Mike, Keith, myself, and the Wolf for talking about the importance of the Senior Bowl. Because out of the seven picks the Jets took, four of those guys were in the Senior Bowl, whether they coached them or not, they were in that game. Mm. So shout out to AABG. Now, <laughs> Mike, Mike Clemens, this guy, physical specimen, right? I mean, 6'5", 270, like we talked about. Um, 23 tackles, 11 for a loss, seven sacks, a forced fumble, a touchdown, a fumble recovery, the length, the size, the speed, it's all there. Now, are you worried about the off the field issues? Sure. You're always worried about off the field issues, but I think if you can take a guy this late in the draft with this much potential and upside, where his ceiling is very high because of what he gives you. Now you've got two guys because you've got Jermaine Johnson and you've got Michael Clemens. And you're gonna say, you know what? Whoever rushes the quarterback better is getting this spot. Go play football, right? So you've added two physically, like physical Adonis type humans at the defensive end, and you basically said, go do, go sack that guy. And then Jermaine Johnson, these guys add a physicality, size, and speed that the Jets don't currently have, even with Carl Lawson and Clayton Williams. We don't have that big physical quick dude and we added two of them this year and sammy like you were saying you know and i'll ask this to keith you know what like we were talking about the off off the field stuff look if i saw something like he choked his girlfriend out like the way tyreek hill did i want yeah. i want no listen i want nothing to do i don't care how young you are I'm being real look and i apologize i don't mean to offend nobody if i see that you put your hands on a woman i got a problem with you dude our problem yeah, with you, like you as a person, like that's 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 just you know um, being ca very cowardly, and it, it's just something you don't do, right? But he didn't. I didn't see anything about abusing anybody, putting your hands on women. I saw weed. Okay, I saw um, license expired. I saw had a gun down here in Texas that wasn't registered. Okay. It still run-ins with the law. I'm not saying this kid is 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 angels and everything like that, but 
when I looked at what he got hit for, you know, like uh, hopefully he could learn, but it wasn't like he was doing, he didn't do anything like that. I would personally be like, you know, hell no. Right, Keith? No, of course. I mean, I think we all know someone that has been in trouble. I, you know, got in trouble in my life for nothing bad, but I mean, I know everybody grows up and becomes a, you know, things happen in your life that kind of change your perspective and you grow up. And we hopefully with Michael Clement, those things have happened to him. He's 25 years old now. That's one of the red flags people have coming into the league. But I mean, who are we to judge? You know, Texas is a place that people are armed rolling around Texas. Michael, you know that better than anybody. So, I mean, maybe I'm not, you know, talking about gun, pro gun, no gun, whatever the case may be. Um, Weed, I mean, you know, it's legal in what? 40 states in the country right now so i mean it's the same thing as me finding out you know oh a 20 year old got pulled over they had beer in the car we'd be like all right he's underage but i mean that's every single person's high school experience or who's someone who's that age so i'm not here to judge anyone for the stuff they do off the field unless mike's like mike said it's egregious it's obvious it's blatant it's things that are things that obviously you're not gonna you know turn a blind eye to which even when those things happen if a guy's good enough, what happens, guys? He still gets drafted, right, <laughs> to the NFL. Unfortunately, that's how this league works. But all that off-the-field stuff aside, some of his injuries, um, foot injury here, that's kind of followed him through his career here, too. I think that's maybe hampered some of his growth. But he got to the quarterback last year, like you guys are saying. He's a physical specimen. Um, he flashes the big playability. He's a violent player, which you know Robert Sala likes. Okay, guys? I mean, we look at the defensive line depth. We spoke about it before, all the guys we have now. I mean, it's pretty impressive the line depth we have now and with the way he's going to rotate guys in there um you have Quinnen, you have jfm you have johnson rankin solomon thomas you have vinnie curry we're gonna be mixing this kid in there maybe on third down see what he can do and hey it's a shot this is a risk reward type pick here if he can keep his head on straight and maybe learn from these guys in the nfl be more mature he's gonna be around adults now guys a lot of these kids that are messing around in college They're with their friends, they're with college kids, they're with early 20-year-olds, right? They're with people that maybe don't have their best interests at heart. Then you get to the NFL, you're with grown adults, professional football players who have been doing this. You have people all around you that want you to succeed. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen at college, but you're going to be under more of a microscope at the professional level. You know, at least most people are. Mike has a little something for our boy Michael Clemens before we get out of here. A little package to give you a little bit more of a flavor of what he's going to bring next year to the team. Michael Clemens, defensive end. University of Texas A&M. Clemens has a long, strong frame with dangerous power capacity. A gigantic wingspan coupled with above average burst, he can create immense speed to power while showcasing an impressive understanding of how to consistently fight for leverage as a pass rusher. In nine starts, 10 games played, Clemens posted 32 tackles, 11 for a loss with seven sacks, and two pass breakups. He also led the team with 46 QB pressures, fourth most in the SEC per pro football focus. I mean, hey, we added some serious quality to the squad here. I know Jet fans should be and are very excited. We don't often get to be up there on the upper echelon of these drafts. We have draft, we have draft horror stories. Tons of them. Sammy knows them. He's younger than us. He's seen a ton of them. Michael, we've been seeing them for four decades. This looks like on paper, it's not going to be one of them. Looks like the New York Jets are going in the right direction. I talked about the guys they drafted this year that have above a 92 score. They drafted three guys last year with above a 90 score when you come to Elijah Moore, AVT, and, and um, Zach Wilson. So, I mean, that's two drafts in a row where they tr- drafted some real talent to the squad. Michael, I, I didn't ask you your draft grade yet. 
But if I had to, if you had to give it a grade, I know a lot of the pundits give it an A. What would you, what would you give it? It's an absolute knockout, A plus. It they he went after impact players, like we said. But the biggest thing that he's done is this: Joe Douglas came to this franchise, and he noticed there was a quarterback named Sam Darnold, and they failed to put any talent around Sam. He did not make that mistake with Zach, and now there are no more excuses for the quarterback and for the coach. The front office did its job. You got your players. You guys got to go out there and execute. The quarterback, Zach, go kill it, man. And you know what? I, everything I've seen from you, he's not he's not uh, shying away. He's taking the mantle. He's happy, and um, I we can all just hope for the best. So let's go Jets. And I'm I'm super pumped. I mean, I don't know what you think, Sammy. I gave him an A plus. Grades don't exist because there's never been a draft for the Jets this good. I can't give it because it's too good for grades. Like, we murdered this whole entire draft. We got players that we needed. We filled every position with a top five candidate for that position. Yeah. No matter where we drafted them, they were top five in their position, each one. That's wild to me. And like you said earlier, quality over quantity, we added, what, nine guys last year? We got a solid seven this year. And all of those guys are going to – oh, man, I can't even – It's wild. The, the amount of feelings I'm going to have going into the season with season tickets with Cousin Keith is about to be <laughs> crazy. It's yeah, about it to be crazy. It's a good it's a good year to be, I think, stepping out there to MetLife for every game, Sam. You're jumping on in a good year. I mean, it is hard to grade the draft. I would give the Jets an A, of course. Um, this draft seems on paper at least to be unparalleled, like Sammy said. If you get the best corner, I think how you really hit. Mike said this once, and this is so true. The teams that draft the best or do the best in the league, they don't necessarily always just draft for the need they have. If the, if the amazing player falls into their lap, but they need a guy in another position. Sometimes they take the amazing player. Like, this talent's too good. I can't pass this guy up. And I don't think the Jets had to do that at any of these spots because the need they had, also, the best player was there to fill the need when they drafted. No reaches, nothing like that. They needed a corner, and they got sauce. We needed some, some wide receiver depth or some dynamic players. They got Gary Wilson. We need defensive end help. They got Jermaine Johnson. They need a running back. They got uh, Brees Hall. I mean, this is like... No reaches at all. They got the guys they wanted and didn't have to reach for anyone. Instead, they got value for these guys. Even Ruckert there when it comes to the tight end position. So I give them an A. Wookie, how about your Giants? All right, we'll throw you a bone here at the end. What do you give the Giants draft grade? I like what you guys did at the top of the first. I know we don't have to get into the rest of the Giants round. What do you give your squad? I would say a B plus to an A minus. I wasn't thrilled with the wide receiver pick, the, uh, the Kadarius Tony clone. But obviously, again... They're doing a better job so far, in my opinion, than Gettleman ever did. Yeah. So they must know something I don't. They picked up a couple linebacker help, uh, safety down the line, another tight end, so another offensive lineman. So it looks like they, they did a pretty good job with this one. Yeah, the wide receiver, I think, would be a bantamweight in the UFC. He'd be fighting oh, at God. 135. Um, but he's a small guy, but hey, he could work out. Wookie, you never know. You know